0: Movies are dreams
1: that you never forget, Sammy.
2: change how everything looks. It's hard to find our house.
1: Ours is the dark house with no lights.
0: In this family it's the scientists versus the artists. Sammy's on my team takes after me.
1: what he does it's playful or imaginative
2: you could afford to be a little encouraging she should have been that concert piano player what she got in her heart is what you got you can't just love something you also have to take care of it it's more important than your hobby can you stop calling it a hobby mom got a monkey
0: why'd you get a monkey because
1: i needed a laugh always have to be the center of attention. Stop shouting at her! That has been nothing but disrespect from you! you. I'm your mother!
2: Family, art. It'll tear you in two. You stop making movies, it'll break your mother's heart. I don't know what to do anymore.
0: You do what your heart says you have to.
1: What was your favorite part? Welcome to the Strange Harbors Podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Amir Ture. And Eric Wong. So tonight we are talking about director Steven Spielberg's latest film, The Fablemans. It is a semi-autobiographical picture that charts his childhood... And into his teen years, it is one of the big awards frontrunners this year. And I think it's interesting that he's got back-to-back bangers from West Side Story to... Well, I don't want to give away like what we think of the movie, but I guess the cat's already out of the bag because <laughs> I think this movie's great. Although West Side Story was delayed a year, right? I think it was originally slated for 2020 release, and then it got pushed back to 2021. So technically, there's two years between these two movies. But... I saw this back in Toronto a couple months back. When did you guys see this?
2: I guess I saw it two weekends ago? I only saw
1: this maybe in the last week. Not doing so hot at the box office. How was the attendance for your screenings? I went to a local theater, like a really art house kind of theater, so I had an
0: older crowd, but it was still like a decent size crowd.
2: Yeah, mine was okay, too. It wasn't like a Friday night showing or something. It was like a middle of the day or type of deal.
1: Yeah. I had actually seen this twice, and the second time I saw it, someone coming out of the theater at the end of the movie, whispered to, like, her partner or whatever. was like, I think Sammy's supposed to be Steven Spielberg.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so... I mean, correct. Good job. Definitely Got different
1: it. levels of, I guess, people taking things away from this movie. So I think it's very funny. I, I think there are people who take it at face value, and then there's also, like, definitely a lot of layers to this, which I really, really liked. I think this movie is... Probably the first in a while that I would just call straight up, like, wonderful. I just think it's, like, a wonderful movie. I really like the feeling that it gave me. It's not, like, a feel-good movie, per se, because there are definitely, like, very sad and devastating parts to it, but there's a wistfulness to this that I really, really enjoyed. I think that's my overarching opinion of the movie. What about you guys?
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well, and for me, that was a pleasant surprise, because I wasn't really looking forward to this. I was afraid it was going to be overindulgent and treacly, and um, I knew it was kind of going to be an autobiographical thing. It was about his life, and it also seemed like it could have risked being, like, an over-intellectualized jerk-off about, like, how great film is. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm just going to be rolling my eyes in this movie.
1: Yeah, it's so funny you say that, because out of the three directors who've made movies like this this year... This is, like, a big theme for directors this year. Inorito's Bardo is like this. Sam Mendes' Empire of Light is also, like, a love letter to cinema. And Spielberg, obviously, with this. You would think that Spielberg would lean the most into, like, the sentimentality and, like, just, like, the crowd-pleasing nature of his work. But this is actually the best of the three. The other two are kind of duds. Just overly saccharine and manipulative, I think, where... This movie definitely was not for me. Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I haven't seen the other show. I can't comment on those, but that's exactly what I was afraid of this being. And then it's also, you know, like, I don't know, what is this, like, 60s California and Arizona, and I would, like, have, like, a zero connection to those things, so I was like, if this is going to be, like, a nostalgia trip about that time and place, like, I don't know if it's going to really be for me, but, um, no, this was definitely for me. It reminds me of, uh, very much of Licorice Pizza. I was similarly a bit cherry yes, going sure. in. Yes, for sure. And I walked out with that same feeling of like, wow, that was a great experience. Something that could have been overdone was, was just right. What about you, Derek? What would you think?
0: Oh, guys. <laughs> I am sorry to say that I don't think I enjoyed this movie that much.
2: Oh, what? I... Oh, that's interesting. I would have thought you, of all people, would have liked this movie. I went into this kind of knowing
0: a little bit about the movie. Knowing this was semi-autobiographical and... I kind of was expecting more of that and less being really ham-fisted with this love of cinema. Like, hey, you know, he's Steven Spielberg. He's one of the greatest directors. Of course, he loves what he does, right? His craft. He's like fucking genius. He's so good at it. And I guess I, maybe I should have expected that. But I think... Funny thing is, Jeff, I'm a little surprised you love it so much because I feel like sometimes you do rail against moments where... Things are just blatantly telegraphed
1: so heavily. And I feel like that's what he does a lot in this movie. Okay, but counterpoint. A lot of things in this movie are not what they seem, I feel. I feel Mm -hmm. like there are definitely complicated things he's trying to say about his love for cinema. That isn't just like, oh, see how it's great, you know? There's a lot of... Again, another big theme of movies this year is like suffering for your art, right? I think that's a big theme of this movie too. And... We'll get into it, I think. We'll get into it. But go on. Yeah.
0: And the things I did love, I think you're starting to allude to, too. Like, there are layers within some of the scenes that I think really work. But I don't know. There are characters in this that I think are just caricatures of people that don't exist. I think that there's a really whimsical nature at times to this movie that I wish he leaned into more. But there are times where I think it doesn't work for this movie. I think there are certain actors that I think are kind of miscast and not great. And they're normally great in like other things that I see. I think there are some actors that were distracting. I think there are moments self-contained if I just like watch the scene. I was like, wow, that was really great. That was really great acting. But then when it becomes a part of the whole, it just didn't work for me. And I'm not saying that this is a bad movie. I just don't think I connected to this movie the way I think you guys did. Wow,
1: I didn't know you were Steven Spielberg himself. (laughs) I know, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, bold decision for you to reveal that you hate film on a film podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: I know. (laughs) Yeah, if you don't love this movie, you just like hate theaters, right? You hate the movie-going experience. It's weird because normally I do love movies about movies, right? Like the magic of movie making usually is one of those things where I gravitate towards, just because I feel like it speaks to me, right? Like it really speaks to like the person I am inside that I see those magical things too, and like uh, the emotions that it stirs up in me when I watch in movies, and like I want to feel those things. And I think he reaches for a lot of those things in this movie, but I I just don't know. Maybe it's the execution. I think that uh, maybe disconnected me from this experience. But yeah, I think we should get into spoilers to maybe kind of, like, really be able to delve into some of those things more and kind of, like, maybe talk, talk specifics.
2: All right. Do you want to do a quick a spoiler-free synopsis first? before Yeah, we probably should do that? that. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, like, the official synopsis doesn't really tell you anything. It's, a uh, mm-hmm. young Sammy Fableman falls in love with movies after his parents take him to see The Greatest Show on Earth. Armed with a camera, Sammy starts to make his own films at home, much to the delight of his supportive mother. I mean, it's kind of what the movie is about, but... Mm-hmm. I think...
2: It kind of also covers nothing.
1: Yeah, covers nothing. The implosion of Steven Spielberg's parents' marriage is like a huge point of impact for Steven Spielberg's career and carries a thread through almost all of his movies. I think this is probably his most personal movie. Paul Dano plays his father, Michelle Williams plays his mother, and then Gabriel Labelle plays Sammy Fableman. And it's an all-star cast. I think... Pretty much, in my opinion, everyone does a great job in this movie. I think everyone knocks it out of the park, actually. I know Derek, wouldn't agree. (laughs) Yeah, I think everyone's great in this. I think Gabriel LaBelle, like, in particular, is fantastic as Sammy. And what didn't you like about some of the performances? Let's start there.
0: I typically love Michelle Williams in, like, everything I watch. But I did
1: not... Like her in this one. Oh man, so many people are bristling against Michelle. I don't Williams. understand why.
2: I thought she was excellent here. She's exactly who she's supposed. to Like maybe you don't like the character, but like, what about her acting was bad here? I don't get it.
0: What it is is that I feel like she's in a totally different movie than almost everybody else. Uh, not everybody else, but a lot of the characters in this movie. Like she. Is one of those people that I feel like is a caricature of a person versus other people, you know, Gabriel Labelle, Paul Dano, even the sisters, like most of the people in his life seem like people. She seems extra, like in a way that
1: is like unrealistic in a way. She's flighty and weird and off-putting. I mean, hate to bring it to you, Derek. Some people are like that. And I think (laughs) Steven Spielberg. Just cast someone who mm-hmm. did a perfect job of, like, maybe encapsulating that? I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know. It's hard to spin, like, the miscast thing on this, because how do you tell Steven Spielberg he miscast his own parents? I don't know, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, to be fair, like, I can't, because I didn't know his parents, but if there's yeah. people who knew his parents, they could be like, hey, that's not really what your mom that's or dad true. was like. Yeah. you looking at it through rose-colored glasses or through the perspective of being their child. Like, if his parents were, like... I don't know, world renowned historical figures, like people could like fact check that shit and be like, oh yeah, your dad actually was like, you know, I don't know, a giant ass to your mom. There's like police records. Like, I don't know. Like you could theoretically fact check him on his own life. Um, in theory. But I'll be honest, Dirk, I still don't quite get like did it feel artificial? Like, what bothered you about it? I just don't quite get it still.
0: So I think a lot of it stems from the divide he tries to create between the Paul Dano and the Michelle Williams character, right? Like the Burt and the Mitzi. Bert representing the scientist and the Mitzi representing the art. And I really think he's trying to hammer that home pretty hard throughout this whole movie. And I don't think there's enough layers in these two characters beyond those two kind of representations of like the two sides of his life, right? And I think that where the characterization for Paul Dano's character allows him to be more like, stern and quiet and not like stand out in that way versus like Michelle Williams I think feels like she was given directions to be like over eccentric and be like relay the the art of it all right like be that person who is like out there who is weird who is overacting at times you know what I mean to represent those ideals
2: I just don't know what to say to that I guess I just disagree I mean I just don't feel that i don't i get it no
1: yeah i don't see that hard separation that you do between the parents it's not like paul dano's bert is like domineering and controlling and being like oh you can't do this can't make movies i mean a little bit but in the end he's still like a supportive father i totally agree with that
0: i think it would have been very easy for him to still be very much like Oh, because he's the quote-unquote scientist, he's going to push away the Sammy character, right? Like, he's going to be the divide that, like, wants to push him one way or the other. And I think it is smart on the script and smart on the writers, you know, Spielberg and Kushner, to, like, not portray Dano like that. But, like, it's really hard when there's characters. and, And for me, like, the biggest offense even over the Michelle Williams character is probably the Judd Hirsch character. The uncle boris character that like comes oh, in I and literally love I, uncle yeah and boris. i know you would right
2: like yeah, he just too.
0: spells it out like oh your mother's this but your father's this and you need to be this you know what i mean like he comes in for a five minute you know monologue that basically is telling us what to feel right telling us what he wants us to feel in this moment and like i guess i'm fighting against it a little bit and like when you have a character that spells it out like that, that's kind of how I see it. For
1: me, that very much was a scene, like him trying to spell out the difference between the Mitzi and the Bert character, right? The thing with the Boris character is like, maybe that lesson is heavy handed and like the anecdote that he's telling is like on the nose, but I feel like that's definitely like a story that someone like him would tell for a boy struggling to find his place as an artist in the world when, you know his mother gave up her own art to support his father, right? And I think... All right, I think your issue with this movie stems from trying to view it as, like, a cohesive narrative when I think you would really benefit more seeing it as, like, a kind of memory play of sorts. I always say this movie is like Steven Spielberg using cinema as, like, self-therapy, picking little parts of his childhood And just putting like all his hopes and dreams and regrets and wishes on like the big screen for us to see, and it's not gonna be a whole cohesive narrative from beginning to end, right? It's gonna be bits and pieces, and I think it works just as well that way. I don't know. I'm Mm. not trying to force you into liking this movie. I know (laughs) uh, it might seem like that way. I'm just trying to make my case for it. I mean, what I
0: was going to say earlier, and I kind of forgot, was that this movie's broken up. You guys probably agree, like, it's broken up into, like, three main acts, right? I like the first two portions of that. Basically, the first, maybe, like, half of this movie. I think it's when he gets to the California part, I don't quite love as much. I think that's where the cohesiveness starts to dissolve a little bit. Like, because I do think the first two parts work really well together. Mm. But then... When it gets to the California part, that's where I think when the bullies come in, those two characters really bothered me because I think those two guys were just obnoxious caricatures of bullies that I, – I mean, for me, I was like, this is all you got? This is Steven Spielberg and this is what you got for me? And maybe I'm holding it against it too harshly in that regard. I thought the last act was very weak.
2: Okay. I, I, I don't agree very weak. I can see why you think it loses a little bit of steam. Mm-hmm. I get that, but I think those bullies didn't bother me so much because I think they are supposed to be kind of archetypal blank like stand-ins, but also they are given that little bit of depth at the end as well. At least the one guy is, right? They are, yeah. They're not complete ciphers, only mostly. But I get why like their flatness would bother you, but I don't know. It's not a movie about them. I feel like there's so much good stuff in the California stuff. Like, his girlfriend is hilarious. Monica's so Dude, funny. Dude, his
1: girlfriend is so funny. Yeah, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's just
2: awesome. She's great.
1: Chloe East, I think, is her name. She plays Monica mm-hmm. Sherwood. I think she should, like, be in the rank for Best Supporting Actress. She's so fucking funny, <laughs>
2: yes, <it's> like, <laughs> Dude, is so
1: funny in this. She's so funny
2: It's a lot. Uh-huh. It's
0: sort of a shrine, almost. Shrine to
2: guys. Lots of guys.
0: They're sexy. I guess. I mean, not Jesus.
2: Jesus is sexy.
0: Isn't that like a sin or something? (laughs) I don't know. He came to us as a man, a handsome young man. He could have come as a girl or an old man or someone with leprosy, but-
1: Nobody knows what he really looked like.
0: Probably he looked like you. Oh, because because he was...
2: Jewish. My handsome Jewish boy. Just like you.
0: I just want to say, please don't get me wrong. There are plenty of things I really, really did like about this movie. And I, I do want to talk about them because I'm pretty sure you guys would love them too. Let's turn the tables. Let's have you guys like maybe give some things that you guys really, really loved about this movie, right?
1: Okay, I mean, just the depth of the meta text of this movie is like... Incredible to me. I think it's really, really fascinating what he does using this movie as, like I said, self therapy from the beginning of the movie where they take him to see the greatest show on earth. And little Sammy's like enraptured by the movie, but it's not because of, oh, the circus or Charlton Heston, but it's like this spectacular climactic train crash. So, like, he goes home and he starts filming his own train crashes on his train set and that's how he gets into making movies but even then like it's not about like the spectacle of the train crash it's because like he's scared and he's using the filming of it to like help him get over his fears which i thought was so interesting because he's making this movie about making movies as, like, self-therapy. And, like, it's this layer upon layer. And it happens more than once, right? Another instance of this is... I think a lot of people will say, like, oh, this movie's, like, too sentimental. But, like, the scene where Bert and Mitzi reveal their divorce, how can you say that scene is sentimental? When, you know, like, other directors would play up the melodrama of, like, the explosion of their marriage and, like, the whole family coming apart. But Sammy, he has, like, a vision of himself filming the dissolution of his family as like a third person removed filming your own trauma is like i don't know i feel like that's like the opposite of sentimental and it's equally as devastating i think really telling the story of like a boy whose camera acts as like a shield against you know like the agony of growing up and like childhood traumas
2: well it's interesting his sister kind of calls him out for it in that scene right Yeah. yeah 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 retreating away from this and not like living it with us you're like establishing this distance and it's like super selfish which I thought was an interesting critique.
1: And also, like, the ambiguity of did it actually happen that
2: way or not, right? Well, I don't know. Are you really given reason to doubt that it happened that way? I feel like you're supposed no, to take it straight. No, but I think
1: a lot of the movie is, like, you know, the man who shot Liberty Valance, right? Print the legend. A lot of things you can say, like— But
2: only in the sense that anything filmed is, right? Like, I don't think there's— Yes, yes. —any particular reason to— Yeah.
1: And, I mean, another thing about this movie is, like, it— depicts film as something that constructs illusions but also shatters illusions too, right And like that scene where he catches his mom's infidelity on camera. Mm-hmm. oh my God, what an incredible that's really
0: great
2: for me that was the best scene in the best movie. scene in the entire movie yeah mm-hmm. and that's like really happened to Spielberg. Mm-hmm. which is insane. It sounds like it's made up for a movie about how important movies are, but it actually happened to him in real life. Like that's like yeah. a truth is stranger than fiction moment. Like how do you have a guy who grows up to be like one of the greatest American, you know, directors of all time, his formative like movie experience being him filming the infidelity at the heart of his parents' divorce, the like trauma that like made him who he is as a human being, and it's all because of his filming. Like that's it sounds like you made it up, but it's real. It's so it's kind of hard to believe. It's wild.
1: Within the movie, it keeps flip flopping like the nature of film with the scene of him editing, right? Because Burt wants him to create this home video, and then he catches his mom with Benny, played by Seth Rogen, who I think is great in this movie too.
2: He is.
1: Yeah, I was not expecting there to be like more than anything like a uh, not comic relief because I know he's a bit part better than that. Just... Yeah, he's like a bit part, but he's definitely more formative in this movie than. No, uh,
2: oh, yeah, he turns out to Irish be important. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The
1: film, like, revealing this infidelity, like, shattering the illusion of their marriage, and then Sammy having to, like, splice it all together on his, like, manual editing machine, recreate the illusion of a happy marriage for his parents, you know? I think that was, like, devastating. And it's all, like, a wordless sequence. It's fantastic. And I think DP, Janice Kaminsky, and, like, the editors, they did a great job. I think their names are Sarah Brochar and Michael Kahn. So it's, like, another, like layer upon layer, right? Like a Mertroska doll. Yeah, I mean,
0: and and even the way that scene plays out is so beautiful, like the way he, yeah, yeah, yeah. it stays, like, really close to his face and, like, he's just watching these events unfolding and, like, the cameras like, spinning around him. It's, it's a pretty spectacular scene, like, and this is the type of moment I'm like, wow, this is great. This is Steven Spielberg, right, at the top of his game, and, like, like I said, there are these moments that I think are just really great and th- i think this is kind of what you were talking about early jeff like some of the layers that i think happen in this movie like i love that he takes this and it becomes like this moment that for the character of sammy like becomes this breaking point right like he puts the camera away because of this right for like a mm-hmm. hot second we all know the story of steven spielberg right we know who he becomes but like there is this moment where he stops being a director but then like it's later you know monica sherwood character and like moving to this new town that brings it back out of him it's funny that he clips together all the moments like his mom emotionally ches right 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 his dad into its own film but I do love the moment where and it harkens back to the moment at the beginning of the movie right where he like takes his mother into the closet shows her the movie in the closet mm-hmm. I thought that was a really powerful moment because he remains mad at her for a couple scenes something that yeah. is really detrimental to their relationship. And, you know, the moment of actually showing her the film and, like, kind of being able to resolve some of those things, I thought was a really beautiful moment. Those are the things I really
1: loved about this movie. Yeah, I agree 100%.
2: It says something about the commonality between the two characters, that he does decide to keep this secret, right? hmm mm-hmm. Because that is a choice, right? Another character or another person could have said i'm immediately going to tell dad i'm blowing this marriage up or whatever mm-hmm. or at least like i'm gonna tell dad and whatever happens happens so it says something here that he doesn't do that mm-hmm. it underlines that connection between him and his mother and they, they have that secret that they're always kind of gonna share right yeah
0: well share until like it eventually kind of blows up right yeah, I mean, yeah yeah yeah
1: but i mean it boils over for mitzi herself right not because of anything yeah. that sammy does not because right of sure it.
0: can we talk a little bit about some of the actual moments where he's Making movies, dude, it rocks. Yeah, when he's making that (laughs) war movie with his like,
2: yeah, the Boy Scout troop war movie is great. Yeah, and all the little tricks and things he has to figure out, and like you see him growing as a filmmaker and being yes, those
1: are like my yeah yeah he's like a teenage boy and he's doing like wooden levers in the dirt to like simulate explosions it's like oh my god that's mm-hmm. fucking genius i would never think of that you know and maybe that's why yeah. he's the goat
2: poking the holes in the film poking yeah, the holes yeah, in the yeah, film. Yeah. Yep. like the realistic gunfire or whatever
1: and i love the moment they
0: basically show the moment of him doing the take the soldier walking through the wall and you see like all those kids laying down as they're dead. And then they run down yeah. the line. So that the idea that there's even in more distance, bodies. Like, like, more I, bodies. I, yeah, yeah. Dude, it's so good. Yeah, <laughs> so good. I, I mean, that's kind of the stuff I wanted to see more of. This idea, like the genius of this kid and the love of movies. And the way he kind of expresses
1: that in his movies. It's so funny because I was actually at the Q&A after the screening mm-hmm. at, in Toronto. And Steven Spielberg was there. And someone asked him like, did you ever think of just using the footage from your old movies instead of like recreating them? And he was basically like, "Fuck that! I'm Steven Spielberg now. I'm gonna remake them as <laughs> <laughs> as well as I can because like I'm just better at doing this than I was back yeah. then." You know, it's so fucking funny. Dude, that <laughs> is, <yeah. laughs>
2: That's so cool.
0: Is the idea that he made this movie with his like friends? Like this is the exact same movie that he made as a kid. Oh, do it's like shot for that'd shot. Be really probably, cool. Yeah.
2: Probably did a war movie with his boy scout as as a teenager. And uh, he's like, hey, I get a chance to do it right this time.
0: I was going to say, like, I liked the movie in the third act, too. Like, the one with his, like, high school tribute or whatever, Ditch Day movie. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought it was really fun that he, like, created a narrative for his high school classmates. I love the birds, like, pooping in all the kids' mouth, right? I thought that was really funny. And, like, showing that one bully as, like, this loner versus heroizing the other
1: bully that was... Okay, so that's the thing I fucking loved about that. Sure, the bullies are stock Mm -hmm. characters and they're Mm -hmm. anti-Semitic and caricatures... But I think using, like, the power of cinema to get revenge is very fun, but also in, like, a very unexpected way, right? Like, you could easily have him, like, oh, embarrass them on camera or whatever. But, like, to give the bully he hates most, like, the hero edit, is such, like, a a fucking 4D chess move galaxy brain shit, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It totally works on him, too, because he's like, why the fuck did you do that, you know? And it's yeah. fucking brilliant. I well, love it. Like, well, he gives yeah. the
2: one guy the villain, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, And yeah, yeah. then he the does. other guy. Gives, the other guy is like the loner edit. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, like fucking school shooter edit or
0: whatever. <laughs> I mean, I like the scene.
2: <laughs> <laughs> didn't exist in that era, but you know what I mean.
0: I mean, and I like the scene that follows where he's like, why did you do that? You didn't have to do that. It's almost he's saying like, well, it was the best for my movie. you got that sense like he did it because maybe, yes, he wants to like, get on the good side of this guy who's his bully but at the same time i feel like that's very much spielberg like well that's just the best story i can create so like i'm going to do that like that's the artist in me the director in me that wants to do that yeah just i didn't like how it just became very cliche though right like by the end of it like the one bully wants to beat him up and then the other bully like defends him because he got the hero edit that's the kind of stuff that See, it didn't work for me as well though. Because it does just becomes very cliche.
2: I guess. I liked it. I thought it made that guy three-dimensional. Maybe not the defending him, but the understanding that the hero edit wasn't him and kind of him like working through like the power of yeah. film and the all of that really worked for me. And I'm like working through like why would you even do this? And like it's fucked up and incredibly powerful. What you can do. Like this is fucked. You know? I liked that bit so much that the like I don't know, punching to defend him thing didn't bother me. Yeah, I can see that.
0: Anything else you guys want to bring up? Anything else you guys, like, really like? I know. Is there anything you guys didn't actually like? Or do you guys just, like, love this whole movie?
2: <laughs> um,
0: Kind of love this whole
2: movie. <laughs> it's a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Uh-huh. Um, it doesn't feel long, but it is a long movie. Yeah. I would say, yeah, I really don't have that many complaints about it. Because I liked, I think even a lot of the things that you said you didn't like, like, I liked. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I like Judd Hirsch. Yeah, I really don't really have any complaints about this movie. It was like a very pleasant surprise because I was, I think, expecting to feel the way you did, Derek. And this one got me. Yeah, it worked.
0: I think one thing we do have to talk about is, and I'm pretty sure you guys want to talk about, is the ending, right? The last scene of this movie. Fucking love Uh, it. I'm assuming you guys loved it, right? Yes, okay. (laughs) Did you not love it? you want to describe like, okay, I really liked the scene. I thought it was super fun. And I love the very last shot, the one where he, like, uh-huh. he, he like kinks up. So to describe the scene is that his mom and dad have separated. He lives with his dad now in California. He said Los Angeles, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah, he's in Los Angeles now with his dad um, because his mom and dad are separated. And I guess the sisters have went to go live with mom, their mom and uh, Uncle Benny.
2: Uncle Stepdad Benny.
0: Yeah. Which, uh, sidebar, I love that scene where, like, Paul Dano's, like,
2: sifting through the
0: Oh, yeah. And he just stops and you just see his face. He's trying to not break, but yeah, you could definitely tell, like, it's really bothering him. And that was a great scene. Bert wants Sammy to go to school, but then Sammy wants to make it in Hollywood, right? He wants to get an internship at a TV show or a a movie or whatever, right? Work in the movies. And he's given this opportunity at, is it Sony
2: Pictures? At CBS.
0: Yeah, he gets an opportunity to work on the television show Hogan's Heroes. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, the creative behind that's like, oh, you got to meet this director, like this really famous director that sits right across from me. And like he goes in the room and like that scene is great where he's like sitting in the room waiting for this director. And then he kind of like perks up. He starts to realize whose office he's in. Mm -hmm. He realizes he's in the office of John Ford. John Ford, oh my god, I should not be describing this. <laughs> he finds out he's in the office of John Ford, and John Ford like walks in, he calls him into the office, and you know, a great cameo by the great director David Lynch, right? David Lynch is actually playing uh, Mr. Ford, and <laughs> he just goes on this rant about, like, describe this scene right here. He's trying to describe the scene. He's like, no, 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 don't describe the scene. Like, what's the horizon? Where's the horizon? It's low. And he's like, what about this
1: picture? He's like, and he starts describing scenes. like, no, 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 no. The horizon. Where's the horizon? It's way up high. What does he say? He's like, he says, I only have one piece of advice. When the horizon's at the top, it's interesting. When it's on the bottom, it's interesting. When it's in the middle, it's boring as shit. That's what he says, and that's like the only piece of advice he has. Yeah, for he's like, like, get the fuck, get, out, of get the fuck <laughs> out of my office. Get the fuck out of my office. Yeah, now get the fuck out of my office. Um, I think David Lynch is like pitch perfect as John Ford. Uh, yeah, it might seem like a stunt casting cameo or whatever, but he looks mm-hmm. a lot like John Ford, <laughs> so it, it's a it's a pretty good uh cameo from from David Lynch. And the movie ends on Sammy leaving the lot and the. Horizon in the final shot is like right in the middle, and the final shot of the movie is the camera kicking it up so that it's on the bottom or whatever, you know? Which I think is fucking yeah. hilarious. Really cheeky, playful ending. I, yeah. I fucking loved it. One of the best movie endings this year, I think.
0: The only thing I would say, it's not a complaint or anything. It's like I just kinda wish the movie was more like this. I wish the movie was more cheeky and more playful. Huh. To be like kind of serious about it, this was a really weird shift in tone for me because all of a sudden it became really like really meta in a way that wasn't present I think in the beginning at any point earlier in this movie and also... To kind of say this, like, you didn't really need this scene. I don't know. Do you guys think we actually needed this scene beyond the fact that it was an awesome cameo and it was really cheeky and fun? You
2: wanted more cheeky and fun. All right. That's what I'm
0: saying, though. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, what did this add if there wasn't more of this? Like, it didn't seem to relate to any other part of this movie because there wasn't more of this. So why have this? It doesn't feel like it's of a piece with the rest of the movie. Exactly. Where was this the whole time? Yes. Where was more of this the whole time?
2: I get what you're saying. I think it goes back to what Jeff is saying. Like the movie isn't about the fun, optimistic, cheeky look towards the future, where we all know Steven Spielberg is going to succeed and eventually become Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. The bulk it's more of the film internal. is autobiographical, internal, about him processing these things. It is therapy through film, as Jeff has been saying. So, like, I think. It's just what he chose to make the movie about or what it had to be about based on his, like, psychological needs. So, like, I think if you don't like that, you just don't like the majority of the movie, which is, like, fine. But where was the rest of this? It's, like, it just wasn't the movie he was making. Yeah. I think. I think that's the only answer. I think that's a good answer.
0: No, and that's a good answer, and I think it's a valid answer. And, like, maybe that's just me, right, wanting more of this. I really loved the scene. I did really love this ending, and I thought it was so clever. Like, I love that you know, the turn up into the horizon, right? Like, where the horizon's high. Like, I thought that was so fun, so clever. And it just made me want more. (laughs) As weird as that sounds. And maybe, like, that was the kind of movie I wanted more of. And But that's my own problem, right? Like, that's my own kind of baggage, I guess, I'm bringing to this movie. Yeah, damn straight that's your own problem. (laughs) I don't want to call it a criticism because I said I do think this ending is probably one of my favorite endings of a movie this year,
1: right? Yeah. I I, I think I I could say that. I mean, to be serious for a minute, there's a lot of other funny, cheeky things in this movie, too, where, you know, the girlfriend character is fucking hilarious. All the filmmaking stuff, um, making his home movies is great, too. I think it just all mixes very well. I don't think any one piece... Sticks out like a sore thumb for me as it does to you. I think it's all, Mm -hmm. all of the same fabric of what he's trying to do, and I respect all of it. I love all of it. I think it's great.
0: So we had this conversation last week. We kind of got into this conversation about like favorite movies so far. I'm assuming this is somewhere in your guys's top ten.
2: Yes, is that safe to say? I think it's. I think it's going towards the top. I don't know. I just. The way I felt walking out, I felt really good walking out of this movie, satisfied in a way I haven't felt with a lot of the movies this year. Mm. Like this felt like, like I said, like licorice Pizza or like Pig to me. When you walk out of a movie and you're like, that is satisfying. Mm-hmm. I went to the movies, you know. I felt like I went to the movies. I went to the fucking movies, man.
1: There are like great yeah. movies this year where you walk out and you're like, oh, I don't feel so good, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe, man. Maybe, like, yeah. The Banshees yeah, of In is like that. Uh, maybe Decision to Leave yeah. is kind of like that.
2: Yeah, and those are all high up, too. Top Gun's another I went to the movies movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? But, yeah, this this was surprisingly up there for me because, yeah, again, I didn't go into this expecting to love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think I think this is going to make that top ten. I think it was really, really good. Just a pleasant experience in a way that some of the other top movies – Probably are not. Yeah, no, this is going up there. So I, I, I gather from all of this discussion uh, that this is not making the cut in the uh, Derek uh, Criterion Collection. For <laughs> it's,
0: uh, yeah, I, uh, if I'm doing my own Criterion Library collection, I'm not pulling this one out of the wall. I'm completely honest, I haven't actually started looking at, like, do I even have 10 films at the moment? Because I think craft-wise, I think this was really great. I, like I said, there are moments that I think are some of the best moments I've had in a movie going experience, right? There are like certain scenes that I think are some of the best scenes I've seen this year out of a movie. So I don't want to count it out, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to be high. It's nowhere near as maybe as high as you guys probably have it. I I don't want to say no yet though, but don't be surprised if it doesn't make it.
1: Yeah. I think right now it's probably like five or six, but like, Really, anything in my top 10 is just like, like I said last week, it's kind of splitting hairs.
2: Again, I'll I'll emphasize again, isn't always the case, I think. Like, I think there's some years where there's like a huge gap between one and two or whatever, or like there's a top three and then everything else is kind of left in the dust. But yeah, I think this year, I think a lot of things are very, very close.
0: I think our top 10s are going to be very different this year. Like, I I really do think that.
1: Yeah, I really do think that. Also, we haven't seen Avatar yet, so. Another dark horse That's that could very be true. bounding into That's our number top ten. No. <laughs> yeah. This is neither here nor there, but I saw a prompt on Twitter. I fucking hate these. I normally never, like, engage with these. But um, someone asked, out of Stanley Kubrick, James Cameron, Steven Spielberg, or Martin Scorsese, if you had to delete one person's filmography... Which one Holy would it be? shit.
2: <laughs> all right. Wait, 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 wait. I have to. All right. This is like, that's actually like kind of a series. All right. Do it again. It's Scorsese. Scorsese, Kubrick, Cameron, and Spielberg. God damn. I mean, that's Mount Rushmore. You already know you're going to delete Spielberg. No, the
0: funny thing is, I'm actually, for me, I there think it's Kanye Wog over here. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Oh, please do not. Uh, This one's actually easy for me. It would actually be Kubrick. I I don't have, like...
1: What?
0: You're out of your mind. I don't have an affinity for Kubrick movies. Wow, really? Not that I don't understand it. I just don't
1: love them as much as I think other people do. What? I I don't know. You would lose 2001, Eyes Wide Shut, Full Metal Jacket, The Shining. Bro, you're out of your mind. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. Barry Lyndon. Oh, my God. My decision is actually pretty easy. What about you, Amir? What would you say?
2: Your decision is pretty easy, huh? All right. It, this was
1: deceptively easy. It was easier than it looked. Deceptively easy. It was easier than it looked. Yes, yeah, for me, too. <laughs> for me, and, too. And, and, <laughs> oh, shut up, Derek.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is getting angry.
1: <laughs>
0: this is why Jeff does not engage in these prompts. Yeah, Seriously.
1: At first,
2: I was like, this is hard, but... I I immediately thought it was really hard, too. But now that I thought about it, uh I think I agree with Derek. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, dude. If you're talking about, like, who you put on a film Mount Rushmore, that's different. But if you're talking about movies I, myself, personally, I'm like, cannot live without, I don't know. Like, I don't have to see Eyes Wide Shut again. It's fine. Like, it's great. Like, I'm not hating on the movie. But in terms of, like, personal impact, I don't have to see 2001. I'm just
1: sitting here quietly seething.
2: (laughs) I love The Shining. I'm good on furries giving these blowjobs. Like, I can pass on that, too. I will probably miss most Full Metal Jacket. But you know what? That's only half a good movie. Yeah, I said it. Um, (laughs) There's so much there. His filmography is so fucking heavy. Holy shit. You're deleting so much, but... Wait, Jeff, have you said yours yet? I have not. No, he hasn't. I think he's going to go with... uh... Oh,
0: yeah, let's guess. All right. I think he's going to go with... I
1: think he's going to go with Cameron, right? It's definitely Cameron. It's Jimmy. I'm sorry, Jimmy.
2: (laughs) Big Jim? Uh, You might be right. He definitely has the lightest filmography by far. He's only done, like, what, 10 movies less? Fewer, I mean?
0: So, okay, I would say that I can't... You know, you guys think it would be Spielberg, but I can't delete Spielberg because... Jurassic Park is just like one of my favorite movies of all time. Like if I if I were to lose that movie, that would like change me, right? Like like I love Dude, that movie there's as There's no
1: way. Spielberg's got way too many bangers. You can't get rid of Spielberg. Yeah. Yeah. The same is also true
0: for like T Two. T Two was like pivotal for like me growing yeah. up. And I
2: love that movie so much. Like, so like I can't get rid thing. of it either. Kubrick's filmography is yawns, like light years better than Cameron's. hmm But I care about Karma's movies more. Yeah. Like Terminator Aliens and Terminator 2 alone, like you don't actually need any of the others. Like you don't need Titanic, you don't need Avatar. Yeah. yeah. Like just those three is an all-timer, like, genre buffet. I I, I just I I I don't know. Eh, like I could lose like, them all. <laughs> See, yeah, yeah. like, that's lose- just the difference. That's the difference, right? You would lose alien I can't
1: lose Aliens, dude. As opposed to Marty, Spielberg, and Kubrick's entire filmographies, I would gladly take the loss of, like, T2 and Aliens. I don't know, that's <laughs> like
2: a film island, like, I have to preserve these films for history in a, in a fucking bunker in the case of nuclear war answer, but you fucking watch Aliens, 10 times before you go back and watch fucking Clockwork Orange. Get the fuck out of here.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know if the Clockwork Orange is the best example, but. Like, yeah, The Shining? Is, like, is it The Shining? I, it- I
2: rewatch The Shining all the time. It's an all-timer. I'm, I'm not hating on The Shining. not hating on Eyes Wide Shut. I'm not hating on Full Metal Jacket. I was joking earlier. 2001's great too. Like, I'm not hating on any of Kubrick's movies. I just think, like, as great as they are, like, he's got the by far the heavier, like, career like by far but I think I've seen Cameron's movies way more collectively like he only has like five movies but I've seen them all a million times right mm-hmm. versus Kubrick I've seen maybe each of his movies a couple times each maybe I, I think this is all personal taste like I think the certain movies of these directors just like hit me could you make the intellectually honest Derek argument for Spielberg since he, since he fucking hates the Babelmans <laughs> can we get Spielberg out of here is it possible or is he just too good
0: I love, like I said, I love Jurassic. Like, that's just so... That's the only thing that you love about Steven
1: Spielberg, Jurassic Park? No,
0: no, no. no. But like, no, it's not the only thing. It's just like, it's the one like I I can't lose, right? Not to say that I don't love other of his movies. It's just, I I love that movie so much. Yeah. Can't lose Ready Player One. Oh my God. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I mean, for me, it comes down to like Kubrick and like Scorsese. I don't think I love any Scorsese movie as much as those two movies I listed from, like, Spielberg and Cameron. Mm. But I just think I like Scorsese's films overall more than the Kubrick. So, like, that's why I picked Kubrick, right? Like, that's just ultimately, like, where my brain went. Like, I think I
2: love every Scorsese film. So, if that's not hard enough, Jeff, what if you just do a it pick one of the four?
0: Yeah, right. That would be... That would be hard. Oh, that's hard. If you only can keep This episode's going off the rails, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) In a fun Um,
1: way. I think it's in a fun way. I
2: like these kind of discussions.
1: It'd be between Spielberg and Marty, I think. Mm. I think it's Crusade
2: for me, but, I mean, very, very hard.
1: Yeah, I mean, Spielberg's got, I don't know, Minority Report, Saving Private Ryan yeah yeah i mean Mm -hmm. jurassic park like you said fucking et close encounters oh my god his range is bonkers it's insane Mm -hmm. jaws oh my god
0: wait is it munich is one of your favorites yeah munich am i thinking that wrong look just going through that filmography real quick that jeff did like spielberg all-timer, right i don't think there's a jeff would say differently there's no wrong answer to this question that you just posed but just to maybe like wrap up this episode like as much as i i've like kind of railed on this movie like I would not say to anyone not watch this movie though still like I don't think it's a bad movie I wouldn't like not recommend this I think it's a good movie and I think people should try to go watch it if they can just because I know box office wise it hasn't been doing great and it it is kind of sad right I feel like Jeff kind of alluded to earlier. I feel like uh, some directors are kind of having existential crises, like <laughs> late in their career, like creating movies about the magic of like movie making and trying to get people back into the theaters. I feel like a little bit, but like it's these movies that seem to be like not doing well this season, right? Like I think the Fablemans hasn't been doing well. Bardo hasn't been doing well. So it is kind of sad for the theater going experience right
1: now. It's wild how like these types of movies have fallen off. If you mm-hmm. just look like, I don't know, 15, 16, what, what year was it? Uh, like 18 years ago, The Terminal came out.
2: 2007.
1: Which was Steven Spielberg's movie about uh, Tom Hanks stuck in an airport. You know how much money that movie made? $220 million. Can you believe that shit? That's wild.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. That's upsetting because it, 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 despite what Derek thinks, it is really good.
0: I mean, as sad as this. Just is to say also i think it's coming to vod pretty soon
1: yeah so it's uh, like next so week or something if you
0: yeah if you can't catch it in theaters anymore because i'm pretty sure it's like coming out of theaters pretty soon um you still can catch it on vod maybe on streaming soon yeah if there's nothing else from you guys i think that will
1: conclude this week's episode uh jeff where can people find more of your work you can find me and my review of the fablemans on strangeharbors.com and you can also find me on twitter and instagram
2: at strange Harbors. what about you guys you can find me on my other podcast, Stranger Harbors. That's a podcast about how important podcasting is. What about
0: you, <laughs> Um, You can find me at Screen Angels Guild and World's Okayest Photos on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're
1: listening to us on Apple Podcasts
0: or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people.
1: Yeah, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on The Fablemans or Steven Spielberg, feel free to shoot us an email at at com. We like getting listener mail, and sometimes we read it on the pod, so. Next week, everybody.
0: See you guys then.